0: It's V-Week on ESPN as we continue Jim Balvano's fight against cancer.
1: Welcome to College Football Live, presented by Buffalo Wild Wings.
3: This was the scene on Monday. Touchdown USC. Literally. Former Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley touchdown in L.A. set to take over the Trojans after a months-long search for a new head coach. But then on Tuesday, it was Brian Kelly who said, hold my beer. The former Notre Dame head coach traded South Bend for Baton Rouge. He touched down in Louisiana to begin his tenure as the Tigers head coach, taking over for Ed Orgeron. Other than that, it's been a relatively quiet week across college football. Here with you on College Football Live, I'm Wendy Nix with Greg McElroy and Desmond Howard. It's the first time, guys, we've been all together since all of these shenanigans. Uh, So, Greg, I'll just start with your first takeaway from all the coaching moves.
0: Well, I think a lot of people right now at both Notre Dame and in Norman, Oklahoma, are looking at it and saying, how the heck are we considered a stepping stone? Well, what I would tell them, like I would tell every other program in college football, there is no such thing as a destination job anymore. The destinations are the jobs that can pay the most money, and the jobs that can pay the most money might be programs that are starting up something brand new, a la Texas A&M, and what LSU is doing right now, and of course, uh, USC their recommitment to the football program. You can see this right here. It's been 75 years since someone left Oklahoma. It's been nearly 100 since someone left Notre Dame for another college job. So these are, yes, traditional jobs. These are historically significant jobs. But, Des, at this point, there is not a single job in college football that another coach wouldn't necessarily leave for if the price was right. And it proves what happened here in the last 48 hours.
4: Yeah, these coaches are out there chasing those bags nowadays, and it's just, uh, I think it's kind of eroding the foundation of this system. I mean, I mean, you know, you front and you say oh, it's amateurism, but there's nothing amateurish about these guys signing NFL-type contracts. I mean, they're getting paid like head coaches in the NFL, and I think that this is really one of the biggest problems in college football. You're talking about a guy, $95 million deal. Now, I thought that Brian Kelly had taken Notre Dame as far as he could take them. I thought that he would take one of these big jobs when the season uh, ended. Obviously, at, right after the regular season, he voted for LSU. I did not see that one happening. It was a surprise. But yet and still, guys, I really do think, Wendy, that this is um, this is one of the biggest problems in college football, these coaches signing these huge deals. And on top of that, they get paid to leave if they fail. So, Case in point, I, I, I'm not a big fan of this, this situation, of this system.
3: Well, think about that for a minute, guys. 75 or 100 years since a coach walked away those programs on their own volition. I mean, it, it it's mind-boggling. And, it does I would venture to say they're getting better – they're paid better than a lot of these NFL head coaches. I mean, it's just – it's crazy, and obviously there's the uh, age-old question, are you interested, are you leaving? Most of these guys say no, including Brian Kelly, who said he was not interested in leaving Notre Dame. <laughs> Clearly, something changed, as it often does. We can probably guess what that was. But here he is with our Reese Davis earlier today.
1: I think that conversation with Scott, um, I hadn't had that before. Um, so I had no knowledge of what LSU was about um, or what that looked like. and so. Um, that changed the way I thought. And I think, look, I own this decision. I made it. Uh, it was the um, decision that um, came about after spending time with my family as well, because I'm not here unless my wife and family are 100% uh, committed to this as well. But I think it was just um, that opportunity that wasn't there when I made those comments. And I was being honest, and you know me, I've, I'm going to tell you the way I think. And at that time, I had no thought um, that I would ever be leaving Notre Dame.
3: Well, here we are, and expectations will certainly be high in Baton Rouge. Each of the last three full-time head coaches at LSU walked away from Death Valley with a national championship. Kelly is still looking for his first national title at the FBS level. Des, I think you and I are in agreement here. You know, Brian Kelly's a great head coach It seems a little bit like an odd culture fit to me, but I would ask you what you think about the fit.
4: Yeah, I agree with you, Wendy. I thought that um, when I first heard the news, the first thing that popped into my mind is from a cultural standpoint, it seems like an odd fit. Yes, he can coach, but you also have to get the right fit. And then you look at their previous coach, Coach O, He seemed to be the perfect fit. He won a national championship there a couple of years ago, and he's a guy who can sit in the living room of these recruits and talk to their parents and say, hey, I'm one of you. You know, I fit. This is is our culture. I don't get that feeling from Brian, uh, Coach Kelly. I think that he's going to have to really do a tremendous job of trying to sell himself and whatever he's trying to get these guys to buy when he's out there recruiting. And don't forget now, that's a very unique place like New Orleans Baton Rouge is probably one of the most unique places culturally not only in the country but in the world and they're not going to change so coach Kelly is gonna have to adapt to that culture and be kind of indoctrinated into that culture so it's gonna be a really interesting journey to see how this all unfolds but he has 95 million reasons to make it work so I think he'll figure it out
3: Well, he has 95 million. LSU has 95 million. There's a whole lot of reasons to get to work, Greg, which of course begins immediately, especially with that recruiting process. What will be Coach Kelly's first order of business?
0: Well, I think the first order of business is to endear himself to the people of Louisiana. I think he did a good job of that in his press conference today. Like you said, y'all, the culture, it might be a little bit oil and water, understandable, but. The ultimate culture is winning and creating a winning culture, which is what Brian Kelly's done all the way back to his days in D2 level football where he won national championships all the way up to the highest levels at Notre Dame where he almost won a couple championships. So I think the biggest thing for him, he's got to figure out who his coordinators are going to be. He's already reached out to Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. He wants him to come with them, but more importantly, he wants Marcus Freeman to come with him to Baton Rouge. He was previously of Cincinnati, went to Notre Dame this year, and he's one of the best defensive minds in all of college football and also a tenacious recruiter too. Now he's in the mix to become the permanent head coach at Notre Dame. So he is very much on a lot of people's radars for potential, potential job openings, but if you can lure him and make him the highest paid defensive coordinator in college football, where Dave Aranda just a couple years ago was the highest paid DC in college football at LSU, you know he's going to have deep pockets to pay his assistance. If he can lure him down, that would be a massive coup for LSU on the defensive side of the football.
3: Listen, having said, I feel like it's it's an odd fit, at least on paper. I will also say this, winning Trump's culture, winning creates culture. We know that. So that remains to be seen. As for Notre Dame, I know there are a lot of Irish fans out there upset who say they're surprised. I'm not sure the university was caught completely off guard. Uh, At least that's what they say. Here's athletic director Jack Swarbert.
0: There's just a sense you get when you work closely with somebody for 12 years that there's a certain restlessness. And I could sense that there was a Freudian slip or two along the way that uh, sort of grabbed my attention. And, you know, whether that was intentional or not, you just you just felt like
2: um,
0: feels a little bit like somebody who who might be open to a different opportunity.
3: That makes a lot of sense, Mark Slayball. You have to believe that was likely the case. Either way, though, uh, they got to live to fight another day. Where do they turn now in South Bend?
1: Well, Wendy, I think as Greg mentioned, I think Marcus Freeman, their sitting defensive coordinator, is going to get a long look. He's a Midwestern guy. He's a top-notch recruiter. He coached at Purdue. He coached at Cincinnati. And then he, then he went to Notre Dame this year. Uh, led that Irish defense, only giving up 18.3 points per game. I think one of the drawbacks is the Irish, as you know, haven't had great success hiring coordinators like Charlie Weiss and Bob Davies. So they may be looking for a standing head coach. I think Cincinnati's Luke Fickle, is probably the top candidate. Uh, Jack Swarbrick yesterday during his news conference said that if, if the right guy is, is taking his team to the playoffs, he would wait. And Fickle's got a chance to be the first coach to take a group of five team to the college football playoff. I think he's been waiting for the right opportunity. Uh, another Midwestern guy, coached at Ohio State, and has just done a tremendous job with the Bearcats.
3: Mark, you'd have to think, at the very least, he also gets a long look. Uh, To be continued, and we appreciate it. Uh, College Football Live also to be continued. And when we come back, we will take a deeper dive into some of the reasons Lincoln Riley may have hitched his wagon to USC. And it is a huge weekend for all the Heisman hopefuls out there. We'll explain what to watch, what we'll be watching for on Championship Weekend.
1: College Football Live is presented
3: by Buffalo Wild Wings and in part
1: by Allstate. Save money like a champion with Allstate.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg.
3: You are watching College Football Live, presented by
4: Buffalo Wild Wings.
3: Sometimes you just have to ask the right question. Lincoln Riley said he wasn't leaving Oklahoma for LSU. He said nothing about leaving the Sooners for USC. And in a stunning move over the weekend, he accepted the head coaching position at USC. Here is the new Trojans coach with SVP.
2: When did this opportunity present itself to you, Lincoln, in a way that it was real enough that you really had to ponder what you were going to do? Yeah, very early Sunday morning. uh, USC engaged with some interest and wanted to have a conversation. And honestly, Scott, that's the first conversation at any point in my time at Oklahoma that I'd ever had with, uh, with another football team. But I think just the... The, the history, the tradition, uh, the, the excitement of the new opportunity was enough that we wanted to have that conversation, and, and it moved quickly, and it was a tough decision. I mean, leaving a place like Oklahoma is not easy, especially when you have the history that we, we had there, you know, seven phenomenal years, some of the best years of our lives, uh, great success on the field, off the field, and we loved Norman. Uh, so it wasn't, this was not about anything wrong at Oklahoma. They did right. everything. Uh, for for myself, my family that, that I could have ever asked for, and I, I you know I love them all dearly for it. It was just simply, it was time for a new chapter, and it was time for a, a new opportunity, and this was the right place at the right time. So, I mean, like you got to call somebody early in the morning because I mean like <laughs> by the time I'm awake, it's like it's the train the, the train was down the tracks. I mean, so like this is like a first thing in the morning conversation you're having with your agent, your family, your people. I mean that that's when this conversation's happening. It went quickly. We had, we had a conversation late that night when we got back to, to Norman um, right. when the, we knew that the interest from, from USC was real. And then we, we slept for, I think, about two hours and then got back <laughs> up and kind of really hammered through it. And it was one okay. of those that we – the way college football works now, you gotta, you got to yeah. move quickly. But it was uh, pretty apparent to us that this was, uh, this was the right move.
3: I love that question, Greg, from SUV because he's right. I mean, that train had to leave the tracks pretty darn early Uh, Listen, what do you you make of this move, Lincoln Riley, to USC?
0: Well, according to the people I talked to, both associated with the Oklahoma program, those with knowledge of the situation, those that are very familiar with Lincoln, uh, Lincoln was not totally on board with Oklahoma's move to the SEC. And I think, as one college head coach told me, he said, it's a lot easier to put your head on the pillow in the Pac-12 every Saturday night than it is to put it on the pillow, knowing that you just went through the meat grinder yet again, in reference to the schedule that he would have to play in the SEC. So I actually think this has a lot to do with it. His job was going to get significantly more difficult at Oklahoma had he stayed there. So what did he do? He looked around, he looked at opportunities, and he went to a place that's a destination job for many, that had a remarkably lucrative contract offer and access to some of the most talented players in the entire country right there in his own backyard. So I think it had to do with the fact that his quality of life might have decreased knowing how difficult it was going to be. So he looked for a path of least resistance and headed to the Pac-12. It's a much more winnable and much more scalable league.
3: Listen, when when we talked about Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC, we talked about the fallout. In particular with conferences, it just it makes sense that that would also extend to the coaching ranks. And, you know, in a, in a lot of ways you can understand that move in terms of, it, uh, to your point, putting your head on the pillow. Let's take a look now at this week's top performance brought to you by Invesco QQQ. Michigan defensive end Aiden Hutchinson racked up seven tackles and three sacks in Michigan's big win over Ohio State last Saturday. The Wolverines take on Iowa in the Big Ten Championship coming up this weekend, also on Saturday. According to Caesars Sportsbook, Aiden Hutchinson now has the third-shortest Heisman odds. That's behind only Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. The only other primary defensive player to win the award, fellow Michigan man Charles Woodson in 1997. Uh, Des knows just a little bit about this award, to say the least. And Dez, an interesting year, and I think you have an interesting point, about this year's Heisman contenders.
4: Yeah, i tell you what, Wendy uh, and Greg, I think it's good first to see that that Aiden Hutchinson is getting some well-deserved recognition because I think that he should be where he is. But outside of Aiden, you know, before Saturday's game, it's like, do we really have to give out the Heisman? Like, it's almost like we feel obligated to give this trophy to someone. And to me, guys, it's such a special trophy. We shouldn't be at a point so late in the season where we're trying to find contenders. We're trying to find finalists. Like, we're looking at stats and things of that nature to see if a guy should be in the, in the, in the running. I don't think that that should be the case. If you think a guy's the best quarterback, we have the Davey O'Brien award. We have the dope walker for the running back. You know, the Blitnikoff for the wideout. And so on and so forth. This is such a special trophy. A guy needs to have an elite season in order to be named the Heisman Trophy winner or to be a finalist or a candidate, Greg. So I'm all for, if you're not looking at at Aiden Hutchinson, who I think is deserving to be in a conversation, or Will Anderson, these defensive players who've been having a fabulous season, but they're not getting the recognition because everyone wants to look at a quarterback and his stats or a running back and his stats. If you're not going to look at the guys who are truly deserving of the award, then why give it out, Greg?
0: The modern day awards gotten watered down, Des, and I'm not not to disrespect the Heisman. There's too many voters, and there's not enough people that are paying close enough attention to college football. I think Bryce Young's a tremendous player. I don't think he's the best player on his own team. I think Will Anderson is. Will Anderson's not even in the top five as far as Heisman odds, and is guarding any consideration, given the fact that he has single-handedly taken over the game on more than one occurrence. I look at what C.J. Stroud was prior to last week. He's not even the best player on his own offense, and yet he's the shortest odds to win the Heisman. He might be the fourth best player on his own offense and I look at Aiden Hutchinson no one was even talking about his candidacy until last week when 15 million people tuned in and watched oh my goodness well man Michigan's good on defense yeah you think I mean it's to me it's this (laughs) year's award has become a process of elimination and it shouldn't be that way I agree with you this is the most coveted individual award in all of sports and I think we we need to protect it and it will go to someone worthy I just really hope someone steps up this weekend and takes it as opposed to letting it fall to them by having a subpar performance.
3: Well, how many times have we had the argument it's not the best quarterback award, it is the best player in college football, and that's you got to cast a wide net in that regard. Uh, We're not done here on College Football Live, I mean, not by a long shot. It is championship weekend coming up. It does not get much better than that if you're a college football fan. It's been a wild ride so far, and we'll explain why we expect that to continue. College Football Live is presented by Buffalo Wild Wings.
4: Here we go. We don't see the
1: rankings until you do. How good is this football team? They look like a number two team in the country. The conference championships going to matter. There's still one more butt.
0: I think they'll be in.
1: The College Football Playoff Selection Show, Sunday at noon Eastern on ESPN.
3: Here now, this week's college football playoff rankings brought to you by AT&T 5G. Michigan earned its highest ever ranking. They jumped three spots to number two behind Georgia, who's been at that number one spot in each of the college football playoff rankings this year. By the way, don't forget to vote for which team you think will be the Dr. Pepper. One final team by using hashtag one final team a reminder here's what's ahead on college championship weekend saturday at noon the big 12 championship game that's baylor and oklahoma state then number 21 houston and number four cincinnati square off for the aac title and finally Pitt and wake forest duel it out for the acc championship game A full day of football on ABC ESPN or the ESPN app and you know David Pollock who you just heard there Greg made a good point. This weekend will matter and it will matter for a lot of different reasons for a lot of different teams. What storyline are you watching specifically.
0: You know I think the big thing is that a lot of people have already set the narratives that if Alabama loses close in an SEC championship game they would still get the nod over an Oklahoma State or an undefeated Cincinnati. And, Des, I just don't agree with that. I don't think the committee – is going to reward a team whose best moment might actually come in a losing effort. Now, if they win, they're in. There's no denying that. they beat Georgia this weekend, not only will they be in, I think they have a very strong argument to be the number one team in the college football playoff committee rankings. So I think they win, they're in, they take care of their business. But if they lose close, I don't care if it's by one or 100, I think Alabama's going to be on the outside looking in because they're going to reward the teams with the conference championship, des.
4: Yeah, Greg, I agree with you 100%. I think if Alabama loses, they're out. No discussion. I don't care how the game goes. I don't care what's the score, what's the, you know, how the margin of defeat. If they lose, they should be out. Another interesting point, though, that I I love that you brought this up. If they do beat Georgia, say Georgia, they get a little tight, they don't perform well, and Alabama wins if Alabama goes to number one or if Michigan goes to number one. That's a very interesting uh, point that that you brought up, and I'm really curious to see how others think about that, too. They may go to number one, but I could not knock it if Michigan went to number one, if Alabama won, too.
3: Listen, guys, what I love about the season is there's been so many things unexpected. Did you think, Des, you'd be saying, heading into a weekend like this, if Michigan goes to number one? But you know what? Here we are. Anything is possible. (laughs) Cincinnati can make history. So much to watch for. We'll be back to talk about it again tomorrow. See you then.